are listening to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring you the best tactics, strategies, and actionable insights for change through our powerful interviews with change management practitioners and leaders. And now here's your host, Teresa Moulton. Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast. Uh, My name is Teresa Moulton, Editor-in-Chief, and I am really thrilled to introduce you to authors Amy Tarrant and Sue Noble, who wrote the book Coaching People Through Organizational Change. Let me tell you uh, quite quite a bit about the authors because they're quite expert in the fields. Amy Tarrant has been delivering organizational change for 15 years, primarily in the insurance sector. Most recently, she led the project delivery team for a London market insurer. Although Amy's professional life has been heavily focused on project and program delivery, she has been drawn to the discipline of change management. She joined the Change Management Institute in 2015 and in 2017 founded their Southeast chapter. Over time, she started to recognize the many synergies between coaching and change, leading to her found the Change Management Institute's coaching think tank. Amy holds a BA in Modern Languages from the University of Salford, an MBA from Durham University, and a Bachelor of Laws from the Open University. She is currently studying for a Master of Laws at Queen Mary University. Amy is also a trustee for the Brighton Yoga Foundation, taking the lead on fundraising to enable vital outreach work in the community. Amy lives in Sussex with her husband, Steve, and dog, Molly. Sue Noble is owner and director of Noble Learning Limited, a training and coaching organization specializing in all things coaching and mentoring and people-centered leadership development. Noble Learning is a recognized provider with Chartered Management Institute. She works with private and public sector organizations, supporting them to embed a coaching and mentoring culture and supporting learners with supervision. Sue has membership with CMI, EMCC, and Henley Business School. Sue holds a level seven qualification in executive coaching, a diploma in coaching supervision, and in April 2022 achieved her senior coach practitioner and coach supervisor accreditation with EMCC. Over the years, coaching and training has brought Sue into contact with a variety of people who are invested in self and professional development and who have recognized that in order to get where they want to be, change is an essential is essential. Coaching only really works if the client is motivated, has the energy to change, and is ready to move on their journey. Sue lives in Sussex with her husband, Dave, and has one daughter and two granddaughters. Sue and Amy connected at a Change Management Institute event in 2018, quickly realizing the extent to which their skill set overlapped and the significant benefit there would be in blending these skills to deliver successful long-term change. Amy subsequently invited Sue to talk at one of the Change Management Institute's events. This led to many conversations on the synergy between the two disciplines and the relevance coaching that the relevance coaching can have for change practitioners. They recognized that though there were plenty of books on change management and many books on the subject of coaching, there seemed to be very few 
which attempted to fuse the two subjects. Sue and Amy wanted to write a book which was not aimed purely at the experienced coaches, but which encouraged non-coaches and non and change practitioners to embrace the many coaching tools and techniques that can help deliver lasting change. So without further ado, welcome Amy and Sue. I'm very excited to have you in this conversation. And I'd like to um, start off with a question just to uh, build a little bit on what catalyzed you to write this book. Okay, <laughs> where should we start? <laughs> I think really it was um, the conversations I had had with Amy at the Change Management Institute around, um, you know, the importance of coaching and the fact that we hadn't found a book uh, which fused the two subjects and, you know, the importance of making sure for change to work well within organisations, it was important to, um, you know, to take care of the people within the organisation and don't see change as just a process. Mm. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think, um, Trisi, you, you alluded to it in your introduction that we were we were just really struck by how many books, obviously, that, that exist that are aimed solely at one discipline or the other, but mm -hmm. didn't attempt to fuse the two. And I was really surprised that we had stumbled upon this obvious, what we thought was an obvious synergy, um, but, but no one was writing about it. And just coincidentally at the time that Sue and I first met, I just seemed to be hearing about coaching everywhere, everyone I spoke to. And I just think it, maybe we just sort of rode that zeitgeist and we, we came at it at, the, at the, exactly the right time and thought, well, we need to write about this. And then COVID came around and actually gave us an opportunity to sit and write, which arguably neither of us would have had. Mm. And, and it all sort of fell into place and I think we both started to learn about each other's discipline and appreciate the more we wrote the more synergies we were finding yeah that's great um it is a big uh a big trend but I'm hoping that you know with um tools like what you're creating with your book uh it will move from trend to reality <laughs> and I think that really is happening um, so one other uh, question that I pondered is, um, what do you think the opportunities to use coaching are in the practice of change management? Uh, well, there are quite a few opportunities, and it's mostly around um, either change practitioners in, in um, change practitioners getting involved themselves in being coached by, let's say, an external coach mm. to help them manage um, the, the process because they might come across some sort of challenges. Mm -hmm. But also it's about if they are receiving coaching, they're more likely to know how to coach others and use it in their own profession. Mm -hmm. So where it, it has a place is to um, help uh, change managers, senior leaders to know okay, although you're not formal coaches, you can actually use these skills in a very dynamic and useful way. Mm -hmm. And so really that's what the book is about, is helping people to understand. Uh, there's no mystery to this. This is about essentially um, being interested in others, giving them space to feel listened to, um, asking questions instead of feeling the need to provide all the answers mm -hmm. and essentially finding out what their challenges and struggles are when change happens. 
So mm-hmm. loads of opportunities. That's great. Amy, what do you what do you think? So I, I, I echo a lot of what Sue said. The way I see it in my mind is a sort of spectrum that, that where change professionals can select across the spectrum of how how involved they are in coaching. So if you want, you can pick up a couple of coaching skills that will help you in your day-to-day role to deliver change. Um, or you can move up the spectrum and decide to pick up a, a coaching accreditation mm. and, and actually train to be a coach, um, which, which will make you even better at doing your day-to-day job of delivering change. And I think the far end of the spectrum, which we write about, I think, in the last chapter of the book, mm-hmm. which is, do you as an organisation want to build a change capability in-house and really embrace this, this capability mm-hmm. to help um, deliver lasting change so I, yeah I see it as a spectrum like that okay great and um what are some of the best coaching tools that change professionals can use in their work <laughs> how long have we got <laughs> <laughs> that's well, a great answer <laughs> <laughs> we feature over 20 in the book uh, and there are a variety which uh, are very quick um, can take longer Um, But essentially, uh, I I would say those which help people transition, so the transition tools. Mm -hmm. So there's a very clear distinction between change tools and transition tools. Mm -hmm. So um, I write about those techniques which help people transition from where they are, where they or where they don't want to be, to Mm -hmm. actually what's in it for them if they move through the process Mm-hmm. So um, I mentioned Graham Lee's change cycle within the book. Um, also William Bridges, mm-hmm. um, the sort of, yeah, and his transition model. Mm-hmm. Um, there are various other um, models to help people think about uh, their level of control, their level of influence, um, and what they're willing to accept. Um, there are so many, really. That. Right. But I suppose, really, it's the transition models which would have biggest impact, I'd say. Excellent. Amy? Yeah, I suppose as, an, as the non-coach in the, in the writing partnership and, and as the sort of change delivery person, from my vantage point, there's a, there's a, a tool that I really liked, which, which we do allude to in the book um, called The Change House. Hmm. And it, it, it just allows people who are on the receiving end of change um, to sort of articulate where, where, how they feel by, by, by sort of pointing at a picture if they're, if they're struggling to articulate really how change is making them feel. Um, and I just think that the, when you're dealing with resistance particularly, that's a really, really helpful tool. Excellent. That's great. And how do these tools improve the practice of change management? Mm. Shall I take that one to begin with? Yes, please. Yeah. Well, so before I answer that question, I I do want to stress that I think this is for all all, um, project program change managers. So this is, for for me, this is about anybody who delivers change into the business. um, but you know specifically, and, it, and and in fact, that person doesn't even need to be in the change team. They could be a, a manager. They could be a leader. Um, 
So um, I think how it helps them is it gives you another string to your bow. So that one of my key frustrations with change delivery over the years has been that it feels very transactional and that mm -hmm. you go through a set of steps to deliver change and then you you do it and it's done and then you, you you exit and you go and do something else and the business is left with whatever it is a new let's say it's a new a new application that they have to use and you just train them and then you just go away mm -hmm. and that historically has been considered a successful project because mm -hmm. you've you've delivered the the thing that you said you would deliver and hopefully you've done it on budget and within the time frame that you said you'd do it in but what happens if nobody uses it? How can you say that that's successful? Clearly, you've spent a lot of money and no one's using this, this, this system that you've given them. How can that be successful? And I think that's where these tools step in. They, they, they convert a project um, to, um, you know, transactionally successful to actually being adopted as a way and embedded into a way of working and in the book, we talk about the iron triangle, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be familiar with, which is the three elements I just talked about, the budget, the time frame, mm -hmm. um, and the scope. I actually put forward the proposal of having the iron square, because you need a fourth element to that, which has to be the adoption. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you cannot say that your initiatives have been successful. And I believe that successful adoption is really predicated on the tools that the coaching brings to bear. Mm. Right. I also think that um, this raises awareness and mm -hmm. it's helping change practitioners to just sort of think of this or even managers in a different way, because instead of it's just the case, OK, we've got to do this, let's get through it. It's actually raising awareness that um, your people are being impacted by this. And so mm -hmm. That has to be uh, good, you know, that raises emotional intelligence. So that's mm -hmm. self-awareness for themselves, social awareness for their teams, and actually building relationships, getting in front of people, either on a one-to-one -one basis or with their teams mm -hmm. to have discussions. Sounds simple. It doesn't happen enough. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So you can use these coaching techniques with teams as well to bring out okay let's what's going on here what do we need to do to do better you know how are we going to get through this successfully yeah. right right great um and amy how does uh coaching actually uh improve adoption yeah so that that's a good question so basically in anything that helps people to understand the why okay. um because it you know, it's very easy to say to someone, Here, here's a new system and here's the training manual and, and, and off you pop. But it doesn't really address the, the psychology of change, which is, well, why? There's nothing wrong with that other thing that I had. So right. why are you making me use this new thing? Why should I use it? And um, coaching has such a breadth of models um, which address the psychology of change, the psychology of, of resistance, the what's in it for me. Um, and, and you'll see throughout the book that there are different what we what we call change challenges, mm -hmm. which set out different um, different types of changes and the different challenges that they present, and then the different coaching tools and methods that are most appropriate for those challenges. Um, 
So there's quite a variety. I think Sue just said there's a, there's sort of 20 models in, in the book, mm-hmm. um, all, all of which are designed to, to address that psychological aspect, which is goes hand in hand with the whole ethos of, and, and, and philosophy of change management, doesn't it, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, the behavioural piece. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, you know, one of the questions... Um, that I get a lot in my coaching skills course is does a change management professional need formal coaching certification to add coaching practices to their work? What do you think of that? (laughs) (laughs) Most of my work is developing people in coaching uh, qualifications, but, but you know, having a qualification, you can have lots of qualified coaches out there who are not very good coaches once they've gone through the accreditation, or you can have mm-hmm. non-coaches who are fantastic and never bothered having the qualification. Mm-hmm. I think what there's a couple of things here for me, and that is what the qualification does in uh, is provide a structured approach and actually a more in-depth approach to mm-hmm. learning how to use these skills over a number of weeks and months. Mm -hmm. And with coaching supervision or coach mentoring um, Mm -hmm. to support your learning. So Mm -hmm. by going through a qualification, you're actually getting in-depth structure and rigor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas uh, what we can do, which um, I also get involved in, is our shorter coaching skills for managers or Mm -hmm. change practitioners, Mm -hmm. which means that we learn the skills, but actually in not so much depth. Um, and there's usually no requirement to write up an assignment or, mm-hmm. you know, reflective piece at the end. So um, it's more about the practice and it's more about having that coach supervision or coach mentoring to help mm-hmm. you understand, am I actually doing this in, you know, against best practice? That's mm-hmm. Yeah. Amy. I suppose coming from the other side of the fence, I would... I would say, of course, in an ideal world, if you've got the change practitioner in-house who's expressing an interest in taking some coaching training, then it's an extremely valuable string for them to have to their bow. But it goes back to my sort of spectrum concept that I was talking about earlier, which is, you know, at the the very worst, to have a couple of the tools in your toolkit to pull out when when necessary Mm -hmm. is is still a fantastic place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the um, one of the questions that just came to mind is um, where in a methodology, a change methodology, would you see coaching skills uh, enhancing uh, the methodology, the application of the methodology. Hmm. Uh, so could you define methodology from your perspective? Sure. So um, maybe uh, maybe we're talking about uh, an approach that uh, starts out with assessment and then goes into design, uh, development, and then implementation, the old waterfall uh, mm-hmm. methodology where you know you might have um cultural assessment communication assessment all that kind of stuff but and then you you kind of design in like a sponsorship map um and also um the plan the change plan and strategy mm-hmm. uh so 
a couple of ideas. One of the things, and I'll come back to resistance because I feel, I feel like that is a concept that anyone listening to this will will, will have bumped into at least once. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> As you go through the the, the project plan and the, and the sort of chronology of the project, you're going to have resistance all the way through that. So I don't necessarily think that it's one tool at this stage of the project plan, and then mm -hmm. then we when then we're done with that and we move forward, and then we can pluck this one out of the toolkit and so on and so forth. I think you'll keep on coming back. Um, mm. I think you'll and, and different people will move at different paces. So people obviously because you're addressing behavior and psychology of change people move mm -hmm. at different speeds you may even be dealing with multiple different methods frameworks tools whatever we want to call them at the same time with different people mm -hmm. um, so that's not not to sound deliberately vague but I think the whole point of this sort of mix and match mm -hmm. approach is that we can treat the, the behavioral aspects of change because we're treating people as individuals mm -hmm. great yeah. So what can I add to that? I suppose what came to mind was that support for the change manager going through that methodology and mm -hmm. what, what support are they getting? Because often we talk about the manager supporting their own teams, but actually mm -hmm. they need support themselves. So it would might be useful for them to engage in a coach to help them mm -hmm. make sense of or get through um, a, a challenge possibly. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I always say that uh, change management is a helping profession. So, you know, we do need to have the self-care. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I think that is, a, that is an excellent point. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, you know, often, often when I am around a bunch of change manager colleagues, um, you know, it's, people are like, it's so good to be around other change managers because, you know, we've, we can re-energize ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be a gift to be coached um, when you're in the middle of a project, I think. Yeah, and interestingly, you know, coaching is a, a helping profession as well. And in the same way, when I get together with a group of coaches, we have that same sort of energy. <laughs> right. I was with a group this morning and it was absolutely fantastic to, you know, we're sort of like-minded. Right. So, yeah, it's wonderful. That's awesome. Um, one of the thoughts that came to mind uh, for me to answer that question is, um, a sponsorship engagement, it would be maybe a good application of coaching as well. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, uh, more of my work with a coaching model. I've, I've found that getting the sponsors really involved and integrated into the change um, using coaching is helpful. Yeah, so I think they Gone. Also, I was going to say that uh, what came to mind as you were mentioning that word sponsor was stakeholder management as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. How we can you know, engage coaching, uh, coaching style and approach, maybe consultancy as well with um, as our stakeholders. And we talk about that in the book as well. Yeah. Yes, I like Brilliant. that section. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talk about how we can engage or how we must engage differently with all the different layers of the organization. So obviously getting the sponsor on board is critical, but mm -hmm. the, then you've got the middle managers, um, then you've got change agents, you've got subject matter experts, and there's all kinds of different layers to it. They all need to be engaged with separately and they all will need different approaches. And one of the biggest challenges I have as a practitioner is how to engage with the sponsor, because you've got naturally, you've got, well, 
they should be senior, otherwise they shouldn't probably really be a sponsor. So how to articulate to that person how important their role is as a sponsor and to get them engaged in that, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And one of the main reasons I have seen for projects not landing very well, I don't want to say failing, right, right. not landing very well. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about sponsors and how critical oh, yeah. it is to have an effective sponsor and one of the things that I think we we probably should point out although ostensibly the book is about coaching we also point out that you need to sometimes bring to bear other um sort of interventions so sometimes mm. good old-fashioned mentoring is mm-hmm. because with coaching you don't tell someone what to do you're helping mm-hmm. them to arrive at certain conclusions Sometimes you just need to say to someone, your roles and responsibilities are X, Y, and Z. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no, there's really no point trying to coach someone into that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talk about training and um, facilitation. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and sometimes those will be the better interventions, I think. What do you think? Mm-hmm. It's knowing when to have those one-to-one conversations, when to have team conversation, knowing when to coach, when to facilitate, when to mentor. Mm-hmm. It's all of those uh, those different tools. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, another question, uh, and we'll wrap up soon. But another another question that I find people really wonder about is what's what do you think the difference is between mentoring and coaching? Mm, yeah. Well, shall I? <laughs> this is my this is my bag. Oh, <laughs> uh, cool. <Okay. laughs> so. Um, Okay, so I'll start off with mentoring. So mentoring is a process where, I mean, both are contracted, both can be formal or informal. But mentoring, really, the expectation is that you're going to somebody who has the knowledge and experience in order. um, So you're going to get something from them. They have knowledge, experience, which you will draw upon. Mm -hmm. So that mentor will be able to help you and support you in your career. Um, If you are new to the organisation and if you have a mentor, then uh, they can help you to understand the culture of the organization and what's expected around here. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, they are guiding, they um, work more holistically, I'd say. It's all mm. about getting to know the mentee. It's a longer term relationship usually. And um, so th- I think where mentors can fall into a bad habit is just doing too much telling and not enough asking. So mm. they will immediately say, oh, I think you should know this instead mm-hmm. of saying to the mentee, what is it you want to know? Great. So That's... moving on to coaching. Um, so coaching is a shorter term process. So somebody might have a, a problem, a challenge, an issue or a goal they want to work towards. Mm-hmm. So it's um, and Amy mentioned it's about asking questions which help the individual to think for themselves in terms of the solution and take responsibility for where they want to get to. So mm-hmm. by the coach asking questions and not giving advice, then it's the individual has the responsibility to take control of the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're more likely to actually change and do something differently because they've come up with it themselves. So coaching is much harder because it does require the coach to completely stand back and be impartial and not to add any of their own stuff. Um, Mm. It also requires um, a good deal of listening 
and also not in not thinking of the solution but thinking where does this person need to be and mm -hmm. what question can I ask in order to help them to get to where they are or they want to be there's also the thing around asking questions to challenge perceptions and challenge assumptions as well mm -hmm. so um, and all of that takes practice and um it, and yeah sort of takes practice and takes time as well uh, so those I see as the two differences awesome great Amy anything you want to contribute there um no I, I, it's really that's not my that's not my my space I always defer to Sue in that um in that area one thing I do find interesting though about coaching as a whole is that there are different types of coaching so one thing we do touch on I think towards the end of the book is sort of the subsets of coaching so yeah. self-coaching group coaching um so there are there are different again different sort of subsets that that the coach can decide based on the circumstances based on the the um you know the dynamic of, of the people who 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 um, we, we think uh, should be should be uh, up for coaching, um, and that's something that I wasn't aware of that I found very interesting. So when we wrote, wrote for example, the acquisition chapter, mm -hmm. and one of the one of the biggest challenges with acquisitions is that you're putting together two groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, that's where group coaching can really come into its own. Mm -hmm. So, awesome. Yeah, and I think I talk about that difference between team coaching and group coaching and mm -hmm. uh, so the sort of subtleties and um, the dynamics that you have with a team, which you mm -hmm. wouldn't have on a one-to-one -one basis. The coaching mm -hmm. is really one-to-one, -one, but as Amy says, it can be equally beneficial as in a group setting um, and using those same skills. Excellent. So um, in wrapping up here, uh, one of the one of the things uh, that I was wondering is what are some of the most important points that are covered in your book that you'd like to share with this audience on this short podcast? Because I know your book is so in depth, this might be a challenge. <laughs> Go on, Sue. Oh, oh. I'm happy to go first. Okay, all right. Um, so I've got I've got two things, and these are my soapbox hills I will die on. Um, the, the, the first one is that that um, accountability slash sponsorship. Okay. So this comes back to what we were saying about ten minutes ago, which is a project is very unlikely to do well if the sponsor doesn't understand his or her role and doesn't understand that accountability. Um, that is really, really key because you can do everything else right, but if you don't have mm -hmm. that in place, you're really going to struggle. The other, the other soapbox I have is that nowadays, with with the pace that the world is changing, we kind of have to accept that we are all in charge or responsible for change. Mm. It's not. I know there's a change team and the clues in the title, and you know. If I don't have the word change in my in my job title, then I don't have to worry about that. I think the world has moved on to the extent now that we we got to stop selling that narrative to ourselves. Absolutely, everybody has a role to play in in, in delivering change. Mm -hmm. 
And um, my soapbox actually is about unless we start embedding and uh, coaching within the organization, then it is likely not to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, is about, um, you know, embracing, we write a chapter on building coaching capability. Mm-hmm. And that means from the top down, from the bottom up, it's everybody get involved and be ambassadors for coaching and for change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is about skilling up managers, providing coaching at the senior level, um, in, uh, developing a pool of internal coaches so that they can coach people at the lower level, which tend to get forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we speak the same language. We have the culture of uh, coaching in terms of empowering people mm-hmm. to think independently, make decisions, psychological safety as well. That's another big mm-hmm. thing to find. How can we encourage psychological safety through every area of the organization? Right. (laughs) Excellent. Any closing comments? (laughs) Coaching is amazing. (laughs) 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 Combining the two is incredible. Great. My closing comment would be change isn't going anywhere. We're going to be doing more of it. Um, more quickly with fewer resources so get on the train get on board because because <laughs> this is happening and, and coaching can really help to uh, enrich that experience excellent uh, thank you ladies I really appreciate your expertise and time and if people want to get your book again the title is coaching people through organizational change I see that it was on it's on amazon.com and uh, is there anything else? Uh, if people wanted to hook up with you, they can do so on LinkedIn, I assume. Absolutely. You can also get uh, the book for 20% discount um, on Kogan Page if you buy direct. So, and I think you put in Kogan Page 20 um, when you come to uh, pay and you get 20% off. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Happy to chat with people. If you, you know, just send us a message on LinkedIn. That'd be great. Yeah. Do get in touch because we're we're really interested to hear what people think of the book and what what what's the most useful elements and where people have their aha moment. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always I'm always keen to hear from people. Awesome! Thank you very much. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.